Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room, the free audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. I'll be hosting rooms every week, so make sure to download the iOS app, sign up for free, and join me to talk some Warriors. And if you like the podcast, make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts to get the latest on the Warriors every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's Locked On Warriors on a Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News, here with Bram Pilsman, the host of the popular, wildly popular, Warriors Huddle podcast. Bram, we were talking about uh, a couple things before we started recording here, mainly where the hell are the Warriors going? What is the direction of this team? And it's a great time to have that big picture conversation as we approach the trade deadline. But before we have that very important big picture conversation, I want to ask, have you ever bruised your tailbone? I have not. And can we first, can, uh, I, I'm going to answer that. And I don't think so. I, I haven't had a lot of ass injuries in my life and I can't think of any at least diagnosed bruised uh, tailbone. But let me pause for a second and just give you credit for your professionalism. One, that tease right there that we're looking at the big picture, but not quite yet. But two, I don't know when that ad read's going to appear. I'm not sure if they've already heard it or they're going to hear it some point in the future of this podcast. But let the record reflect this fool, Wes. Fire that off on one take. No problems. Incredibly professional. So I was impressed, man. Nicely played. Um, and bringing it all the way back, I I've had some time to think. No, no bruised tailbones in my life. How about you? Any uh, any ass injuries to speak of? Uh, that's a good question. I probably should have thought about that before I asked you that. I don't think so. Uh, I feel like if I were to have a major ass injury, I would remember that, right? I remember I'm pretty sure I broke my ankle once and didn't realize it until the summer was over. And I was walking on a cane for like the, my entire age 17 summer. Uh, Oof. But that was maybe the only terrible injury I ever sustained. That's not true. I got stitches like four times when I was a kid, but that doesn't count. Yeah, tailbone things, I think I'm pretty clear. But when Steph – like there's there are, there are injuries that happen on the NBA floor that you see all the time, that you expect to see. A guy comes up limping, you know, pulls his hammy, stuff like that. Uh, and then there are other injuries that are gruesome. You know, you think about Paul George, you think about Kevin Ware, you think about those kinds of deals. And then there are injuries where you just it, – it's it, its like the groin injury, right, where the guy just gets kneed in the balls or something. And, and this one was very much like that for Steph Curry where he just falls for – it was just the, the relatable injury, right? Like I can't relate to pulling my hamstring uh, going up for a dunk. Just can't relate to it. But I can no. relate to Steph Curry <laughs> falling awkwardly backwards, stumbling, thinking that there was something behind him to break his fall in that thing that he thought was there, not being there, and then falling straight on your ass and being embarrassed – that I can relate to. If I had a dollar for every time I hurt myself dunking, I'd have the exact same amount of money I have right now. Have you never dunked? Uh, yeah, dude, last night's injury was weird. So I'm watching that game with my wife, which is a misnomer. That just means I'm watching and she doesn't care at all. We're having some conversation and, and I paused the TV to look over to her. And so we're talking for a second. I look back and I just happened to have paused it randomly enough, literally at the moment that Steph had fallen and his face had turned to paint. And so I look, it's like, what the hell is happening? Rewind it, just like you said, associated with him falling due to clumsiness or whatever else. But 
Here's my follow-up question. And if you've got a, a bleep button, get it ready. But what the fuck? Why the hell are there metal steps, giant open metal areas within 10 feet of the Houston floor? I, I get that that's where the seats normally go. And I understand that in COVID, there's no longer courtside. But if that's happening, if they're taking away the seats and they now realize there's this giant uncovered metal section next to the floor, can we work in some mats or something? No, no, no. Why I'm gonna, the hell was that I, there? Is, I'm pushing back on this. Like when, when you had people in the arenas, everybody said, moving the cameramen back all this stuff and now yes. all those people are gone all those people are gone we're like finally they're gone they don't have to worry about this the chances of cameramen ever going back to those positions are probably about one percent by the way so all those great action photos from underneath the rim forget about it they're not happening Good. anymore but uh now now we have to worry about metal risers and yes. all this stuff there's nothing no, yes, no. We do. no we just have just convert chase center into a 1.2 billion dollar bounce house well, how, about well, that? how about you pump the brakes a little bit what, that actually what, sounds like a good idea by the way what is steph i would go i'd go in a heartbeat but what does steph make a year i mean what, what is it like 25 million dollars some ridiculous amount of money that's the asset that his health is worth how much would it cost to cover those metal fucking areas what like percentage of what i mean what percentage of that is his tailbone what, I, I don't know. That, more than it would cost to pay for mats. <laughs> Based on that math, I mean, his tailbone must be worth at least a million. I mean, how many body parts are there? I can't. I can't imagine there's more than twenty-five <laughs> or thirty body parts. I have no idea. I I will push. Okay, I, the the bounce house area is a good idea. Probably a little expensive for the conversion. I bet you that Toyota Center could work in a couple of gymnastic mats and have, and have gotten me through this a little bit easier. I I think that they should have protected Steph. Another reason for me to say f Houston West. Uh, Houston is combined is at this is one of my at the same time one of my least favorite and most favorite NBA cities my most favorite NBA city because the hotel is right across the street from the arena the hotel has a Texas shaped pool which isn't my favorite shape of a state but it is at least novel enough for me to be interested there's a bar that you can uh, 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 enter right through the lobby so you never have to go onto a sidewalk in a nice. strange city yeah, and there's nice. a great underrated uh underrated part of hotels is the the starbucks situation or the the coffee shop <laughs> situation great starbucks in this hotel so and then you just walk right across the street so i don't like to do much in houston but i do like to go to houston because they make things easier uh, if they wanted to convert toyota center to a bounce house i think that would be a good place to start because they no longer have james harden and so these are sort of these arenas that nobody cares about anymore. So this is a nice way to like you experiment with the Elam ending during All Star break. Time to okay. Anyway, um, I want I, I teased uh, artfully and, and much more artfully than my last little segue off into bounce houses uh, where the Warriors are going big picture. But also before I get to that, Steve Kerr's coaching has come under fire. I would say over the last couple of seasons, as a longtime Warriors fan. As somebody who has seen the darkest days of these Warriors, uh, who has gone through multiple different coaching staff changes, what are your thoughts about Steve Kerr's coaching overall so far? So if you had asked me this, uh, in fact, I think you and I talked about it two or three weeks ago, I would have told you nothing, but I trust him explicitly. Um, the success he has had since he began here has given him nothing but rope as far as I'm concerned. And we need to sit back and respect all the decisions he's making. You ask me that now. I'm still towards that end of the spectrum 
Wes. Um, given the people I've watched, the Brian Winters of the world, the Gary St. Jeans, the, the Eric Musselmans, you know, we, we've had so many people come in and out of the coaching rotation without, you know, what, one-eighth of the success that Steve Kerr has. He still has my trust. But recently, there's been a couple of moments where I just couldn't figure out what he was doing. I didn't necessarily like the way that he disciplined Wiseman. I understand it's need. I get that he wanted to teach him you've got to be there for the COVID test. I didn't understand why he sat him for three quarters and let him play in the fourth. You know, if I ever uh, ground my baby daughter when she turns older, I'm not going to ground her for three quarters of a night. It'll be for the full thing. So there have been moments where he has confused me, where I'm not sure why he's doing what he's doing. But the bottom line remains, if it comes to what Bram knows about basketball versus what Steve Kerr knows about basketball, and I'll include Warriors Twitter, what Warriors Twitter knows about basketball, I think all of us can immediately agree that Kerr knows more and still deserves our trust. So I do still trust him, but it's not blind anymore, if that makes any sense. I always relate coaches to... Uh, guitar players. And when I say always, I mean sometimes on occasion. But uh, great, the great guitar players can do it all. They could shred, they could play acoustic, they can finger pick, they could do it all. Uh, Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin, for example, can do it all. Greatest guitarist ever in my book. Then you have other guitarists who, you know, for example, um, the, the late, great Van, Eddie Van Halen. Not really an acoustic guy, right? And so I think obviously one of the great guitar players of all time, but I would say a notch below Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix and those kind of guys. That's what being a coach is. Do you, can, do you have that range, right? Can you shred with an all-star lineup like Steve Kerr did? And then can you do the finer things, those in-between things? When stuff slows down, uh, can you develop a roster? Can you get the most out of these fringe guys who probably really might have no business being in the NBA or playing the minutes that they have to get? in that situation. That's the part where Steve Kerr is learning. And I think this is much a growing process for him as it is for anybody else. And I think people look at these NBA coaches and say, oh, you know, you played for that X amount of years and you've coached for this many things and you have done all this stuff and you should just know how to do it all. And that's not necessarily the case, right? Like you have to, if you're Steve Kerr or any coach, when you're going from one situation to another, you have to shift and, and you have to adjust and, and learn you know, to change your style. I think Steve Kerr is going through that, and I, and you're going to have bumps along the way. It's not going to be perfect. It's not always going to be pretty. You're going to have weird situations like the Wiseman thing. It's going to be tough to develop, guys. But I think what we've seen from a guy like Jordan Poole recently where they have trusted him, and now he seems to be developing and emerging as a legit player, and they, and they you know, uh, troubleshooted for the right problems, and, and it seems to be that they have solved those problems or at least are on the way to solving those problems. And now he might be a legit rotation player that bodes well, I think for him and the rest of this coaching staff. But I do want to talk about uh, now we will finally get to it. Before you do, let me, let me give him credit. Um, And I just, I just want to say this because we've used the opposite all the time. If people take shots at Kerr, what they do is they use his roster, right? Not this year, not last year, but they look at the team he's had. They talk about Durant. They talk about Steph. They talk about all the people that he inherited. And they use that to suggest, well, his success maybe isn't that impressive. 
Well, we're going to do that. Make sure you do the opposite too, right? Look at the roster he has this year. I mean, when, when we talk about these guys, we talk about Steph, we talk about Ubre turning it around. But as fun as Juan Toscano Anderson's season has been, as good as Jordan Poole has been over the last four games, this roster is about a 500 roster. You know, we're not talking about superstars anymore. So if before we said Kerr doesn't deserve credit for his success because the team is so damn good, then the opposite needs to be true. He also doesn't deserve credit for this lack of success because the team isn't that damn good. It just is what it is. That's right. And so you won't, right, like you said, you only can coach what you have. And we really don't even know exactly what they have because Clay Thompson hasn't played yet. Um, yep. Which brings me to what we need to talk about. And and I and with the trade deadline coming up, um, I want to talk about what you want what you think that this team needs uh, at the trade deadline. But before we get to that, let's talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And this week starts March Madness, one of the biggest betting sporting events of the year. The best place to do it is at Bet Online, real real-time updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Ooh, that was more professional and impressive than a Texas-shaped pool, man. Nicely done. <laughs> Trade deadline. What do the Warriors need? They need a lot of things. Uh, and instead of answering that question directly, I'm going to talk about it generally and then see what your opinion is. Because I've okay. shifted, man. Um, so, I don't know, maybe a month ago, leading into this week, I have – I've – thought that the Warriors should hold on to both title windows. Let me explain what I mean. Right now, we know that, that Clay and Steph and everybody represents the title window that exists currently. And then the Minnesota pick, Wiseman, maybe even the Warriors pick, represents what those guys could hand off, what could happen in the next you know, five, 10 years and the future of Golden State. And I liked the idea of having both of those things happen at the same time. And so because of that, going into this trade deadline, I didn't necessarily want to see the Warriors package up Wiseman or Wiggins. I didn't want to necessarily see that, that pick from Minnesota get sent out. I wanted to have my cake and eat it too. I think that's shifting, Wes, and here's why. I don't think the Warriors are guaranteed. In fact, let me put that a different way. I think there is a less than 1% chance that after Steph Curry gets through his current peak, that after Curry is no longer a Warrior, that Warrior fans have somebody of his caliber to root for again. That's what it means to be a generational talent, right? We are watching somebody on our team now play better than probably any future Warrior is going to. And if I'm right about that, or we accept that as the probability, then the Warriors need to go all in right now. You know, that they need to do whatever they can do to surround this current historical talent who is not returning with whatever they can, they can surround him with to give him a shot at a title while he is at this level. So uh, there's nobody out there who's like a generational talent that I would feel good about giving up Wiseman or the pick four. I don't immediately pump my fist. 
but I think I'm starting to transition into thinking they need to still go all in, even if they're not bringing back a generational talent. Because if we fast forward five years and Steph is no longer here or Steph is no longer Steph and we never really went all in, there is a chance we will regret that for the remainder of this franchise. And that worries me. I've paraphrased Daryl Morey before and I'll do it again. Uh, if you have a 5% chance of going to the finals or winning the finals, you have to 100% go all in. Yeah. And, I, and I do believe that. And it does not feel to me right now that the Warriors are doing that. Now, they have an excuse that with Klay Thompson out for this season, they cannot possibly be 100% all in, right? And, and they yep. don't have a 5% chance of winning the finals. But if you think that if you're the Warriors and internally you believe that you have a 5% chance – to win the championship next year with Klay Thompson back, then you need to start thinking about how you're going to push these chips into the middle of the table because their offseason starts right now. It has already begun because you have as much flexibility now as you're going to have in the in, in this this summer. You know, even when some guys come out of this contract, you're still going to be twenty million dollars over the cap, x amount of dollars in the luxury tax, etc. It's not like you can go out and sign anybody of of any meaningful price, right? You've already basically used the trade exception from Andre Godala. You have the salary cap slot with him. You have the D'Angelo Russell now Andrew Wiggins salary cap slot. Like you have basically created now all of your flexibility, right? Uh, and you've got this pick coming up from Minnesota that's only going to lose value once you use it. Now I do think you can toe the line a little bit with James Wiseman, that you could bring him along slowly, not ask too much of him on the biggest stage, and you can get away with that. I do not believe you can get away with having two high-level lottery picks in your core rotation because that's going to give not one but two players uh, needed playing time. It's going to force the coaching staff to find playing time for young players who very rarely impact winning in a meaningful way in the regular season, let alone in the postseason. And those are going to be two guys that teams like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Jazz in the Western Font Conference can just attack and exploit over and over again. You don't win at a high level with two high with, with two lottery picks sure. as core parts. Yep. You just don't do it. Historically, it just doesn't happen. So with that said... Uh, I, I think we need to reverse engineer this thing a little bit, right? Where it's easy to say, hey, go all in. And then I've posed the question, what's the worst player that you would be willing to trade the Minnesota pick for? Or what's the worst player that you'd be willing to trade that the ultimate package of Wiseman and the Minnesota pick for? But let's reverse engineer that a little bit more. What does this team need? What is, it, what it, what is preventing them from being a bona fide championship contender not a uh they got clay thompson coming back we'll see maybe andrew wiggins and kelly Oubre develop a little bit more wiseman needs to develop not any of that what do you need to make yourself a bona fide championship contender now i don't know that we have the answer to that bram but if the lock if the warriors could figure that out then that whatever that x whatever when, when you solve for x whatever that x is is what they should be trading the minnesota pick for period yeah and if that's marcus smart then do it. If I don't think that would get that, I don't think that would be enough though. If it's you know a a fringe All Star type player, do that. If you think it needs to be a perennial All Star type, then maybe you do need to put all the chips into the middle of the table. I would also like so what you just said. I completely agree with, and I wish I had. I, I would be an amazing podcaster and an even better Warrior fan if I had an answer to this player solves all the Warriors problems. I do not, and I hope that Myers does. Although I'm not sure he does. Um, but what I would like, and this will never happen, but 
if I could somehow sit down with Steph Curry, Steph is completely honest and forthcoming, and we figure out where he is on this team and what he thinks they require. Let me explain. There's a world where the best thing for Steph Curry's title window is that they're awful this year. That, that everybody just holds hands, they decide that they're not going to the playoffs, and then the Warriors end up with a lottery pick as well. The reason that helps is that, and, and I agree with you, by the way, I do not think you can have multiple rookies in the rotation for a championship team. So the reason why that would help Golden State is they could trade their pick if they tanked, right? And then still have Minnesota's pick, still have Wiseman and kind of have their cake and eat it too. But the thing that I don't know is how Steph would react to that. You know, we look to that Laker ass-kicking. We look to the film that came out of Steph for the first time in his career screaming at a Warriors bench. And it doesn't look like he's in the mentality to wait and, and win next year or wait and see what happens in the future. So a lot of this should probably be dictated by him because his contract is up after next year, right? Yep. So if he comes and tells you, look, I can see the writing on the wall. I can see that I'm only going to be this version of Steph for the next three years. So I don't give a shit what you have to do. Give me help. Well, if Steph tells me that, Wes, the name can be far less impressive. You know, suddenly the Bradley Beals of the world look like world beaters because they help pacify our franchise superstar. If Steph says, look, dude, I understand. I understand where we're at. I get that Clay isn't here. I'm patient. You know, then that's an entirely different analysis. But I feel like there's a big open question with that. And it's an important one because you do not want to alienate that guy above everything else. You want to make sure you at least consider what he thinks should be happening. And we don't even have to get Steph into a truth serum or vulnerable moment type of situation because it is clear he wants to make the playoffs. It is clear that he has said, hey, the goal this year, let's make – he knows they're not a championship contender. Make the playoffs, get on that stage, and then go ahead and, and try to, quote, unquote, make noise. I, and that, to me, is worthwhile. Look, we are in such an asset management era of basketball analysis right now that I have heard the argument that the Warriors would be better off tanking and getting another pick in order to package in some sort of superstar deal and go get the guy, the, the, the X that we need to solve for. I would, argue, I would put, I push back against that because it is so hard and pretty much unheard of to go from out of the playoffs, two-time lottery team, two years in a row, to championship contender. That there is so much value in staying above water, maintaining a playoff spot, getting valuable experience for guys like Andrew Wiggins and Ubre and James White if Ubre's still around, James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, all these guys getting real playoff experience for them so that you have a foundation for Klay Thompson to return to and to build on so that you could go to win a championship next year. Because I don't believe I I have a very hard time seeing this team going uh, being in the lottery twice in two years and then being a championship. It's just, it's unheard of historically, unless you just go out and unless you're the Cavaliers and you get LeBron James back, it doesn't happen, you know? And, and so speaking of LeBron, it would be interesting well, just, for just Steph to push back to give you shit about it. Um, yeah. to, just to push back because one of the things that would distinguish that, the, the fact that you're not adding to that fact pattern is that they would be lottery team, lottery team, then add another superstar right? Because that's what we're talking about. They'd get a, another top pick, high pick, and then use that to bring in another major asset. And then with that other superstar, they return to championships. So, I, so I, I, the problem with that is when you're a lottery team twice in a row, 
you don't get to you're not on the list of contenders anymore. You're not on the list of teams that because superstars don't get don't just get traded. There's a whole process behind it, right? You have to be a superstar. You have to cause problems with the organization that you are currently with. Your agent has to leak a list of teams to Adrian Wojnarowski, and then you and then you get to one of those teams. This idea that the Warriors are this winning championship culture is great, and I still think that there's some truth to it, but there's a lot less truth to it when you're in the lottery twice in a row. And, and that's what I would fear. Let's take a quick break to talk about Built Bar. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best in Built Bar madness. And today's matchup is between coconut and white chocolate birthday cake. And frankly, this has been the easiest decision that I've had to make in my personal bracket. I'm not a coconut guy. I don't like Almond Joys. I don't like any of that kind of flavor stuff. I'm sure the Built Bar coconut flavored one is great. I've never tried it because I won't do it. So I'm going 100% in white chocolate birthday cake, even though that's not necessarily my favorite either. But uh, it definitely beats coconut because at least tastes good and doesn't have coconut flavor. Let us know what you think. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter. And when you're at BuiltBar.com, remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off on your next order. That's LOCKEDON1515 to get 15% off on your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. No, that's fair. But also, I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a free agent and the team we're now talking about, if this happened and it's not going to, and the most important thing that, that I took from what you just said is, look, Steph says playoffs, then goal is playoffs, end game. But if we're talking about a team that has Clay, Steph, Draymond, Wiseman, that still has the Minnesota pick, and then whatever they get back from their own pick, I can see free agents thinking about joining that team, you know, uh, but... I, I can also see, as of right now, having watched the Warriors in back-to-back -back years being the people who are getting their ass kicked, who are down 20 to the Lakers, that's not the best luck and wouldn't necessarily be a free agent at all. So I, I see where you're coming from. It would, be, it would be interesting to see if Curry has or would pull the LeBron James, pull, dare I say, even the Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers, where Kawhi's like, hey, I'll sign but you got to go get Paul George, and that's yeah. going to be the deal. Or LeBron saying, hey, go make the move for this player, this player, and this player. This is who I want. I want Timothy Mozgov. I want Shane Battier, Chris Anderson. Like, over the, his entire career, who do you, I want Kevin Love. I want Chris Bosh. Like, all that stuff. Steph, from what we understand, largely stays out of those sort of conversations. The Warriors right. ask him about things, but at some point, if you're Steph and you're 32 years old, and your legacy is on the line here because it really is not. And he said he's got nothing left to prove, and and I believe that. But you could still rise up the all-time ranks. It's not like you got a ceiling, man. Like you're the greatest shooter we've ever seen in human history. You have no ceiling as to where you can end up in the all-time ranks. Go win more championships. And I, I and I I I would assume that next year, I believe that this team is going to go all in. But I also think that they are trying to thread a needle where they want to be the next Spurs. Uh, and that that might cost Steph a championship, uh, yeah. I, I, maybe maybe two. I don't I don't know, but I, I would think that you got to do everything you can to maximize this window. Um, we've talked around the the trade deadline. Are there names out there that you're interested in? Nobody that gets me immediately fired up. Uh, I mean, I've, I've said it a couple of times. I'll say it again now. Bradley Beal is a name that has my attention. But I don't know if that's just because there's a dearth of other options. So suddenly he seems, you know, far more attractive than he otherwise would be. So, 
there's, I don't know, there, there's nobody who screams to me. Um, and at the risk of backtracking, and I, I don't even really want to say this out loud, but it kind of bothered me when Steph said he had nothing left to prove. And so I agree with him. I 100% agree with him that he has some, uh, nothing left to prove. And it's not the message itself that bothers me. It's the fact that he felt the need to say it, you know, like, I, I always live by kind of a generalized proposition. Don't answer to a charge that hasn't been made. If I started this podcast, Wes, by being like, hey, Wes, I did not steal your wallet. You'd be like, what? You know, you'd be like, well, you'd immediately think that I stole your wallet. Like, why are you even talking about that? The idea that Steph came out and been like, hey, I have nothing left to prove makes me feel like secretly he thinks he has things left to prove. And I don't like that. I don't, I don't think he has things left to prove. He has been, you know, a two-time MVP. But I, I, I remember thinking that when it first came out and wanted to get it off my chest here. Um, that's a great take. I have no response to it. I wish I had thought of it actually. Uh, no, but also it, I did not steal your wallet. Just so you know, hundred percent. That was not me. I don't know where it is and I don't know why you're asking. It, it's, it's interesting though that you bring that up, right? Because there have been little moments like that where it, you, to go back to your hypothetical, if you could give Steph Curry some truth theorem, sometimes the truth does, has slipped out a couple times here and there inadvertently where, you know, the, the flexing screaming on the sideline against the Lakers or all this stuff. You could tell, man, like this is not where he wants to be and whether or not this team competes for championships. And again, I go back, we're in the asset management era of analysis. These dudes just want to win as many games as possible. They care about the game that's in front of them very, very much. And when you are, have been out of the playoffs since 2019, if you're Steph Curry, you just want to go back and play yeah. on that stage again. You don't care if you win or lose the series necessarily right now. You just want to get back there and then you'll care about it when you, when you cross that bridge, right? That makes sense to me. I mean, and he's, he's done this shit, Wes, you know, I mean, he, he went through 19 win seasons. He's right. seen, he's, he, he has earned his way out of this in particular scenario. And so if he suddenly finds himself in it and probably thought that they wouldn't be here this year, you know, last year he avoided it entirely. He got hurt, probably thought they weren't going to be contenders, but didn't think they'd be 500. And if he's now in a scenario he's seen before, but doesn't feel like he should be in, of course he's frustrated. I mean, he's, he's an incredible basketball player, but he's still a human being. It's impossible to not be frustrated in that scenario. So I want to get you out of here on this question. Actually, I'll let, I've got two more topics that I want to discuss, but I'll let you choose which one you want to pick. And then oh, nice. we'll leave the other one. Uh, fans in the arena, just as a general concept, them being there or not being there, or your thoughts on James Wiseman, your thoughts and feelings on Wiseman. Which one would you like to discuss? Wiseman makes me too anxious and like angry occasionally. Let's go fans in the arena. I don't know what to think about Wiseman. Like if you ask me one day, I tell you he's going to be a franchise player and hall of famer. You ask me another day and I have no idea what they're doing with his development and where the hell it's going. So let's go fans. Also as an, as a random aside, I should say anybody who wants to use my optimism about Wiseman's hall of fame candidacy should probably know that I also thought Andre Spiedrins was going to be a hall of famer. So, you know, I'm not the best talent evaluator. It is what it is. Uh, I like that we're not talking Wiseman. Let's stay above the fray. I'm, I'm sick of the knee-jerk reactions when he plays well and doesn't play well as if every single game is some sort of indictment on how his, the rest of his career is going to go. Uh, let's, let's stay above the fray. Fans in the arena at Chase Center. How, so at first, Bram, I did not care, if I'm being honest. I was a cold, cold-blooded asshole did not care that fans were not in the arena. I just don't care. But I'm a spoiled reporter who gets to go to these games for free and all these things. Uh, I have, and I was asked, I, 
by somebody on the radio uh, after Steph's uh, big game against Portland, the 62-point game or whatever it was. Uh, man, wasn't it sad that that didn't happen in front of fans? And my response was, I didn't even think about it, and frankly, I don't care. Oh, you're a cool asshole. I will know. And so I, I, I say <laughs> I preface all of this. Um, well, that was my preface for what I'm about to say, which is I now really miss fans in the arena. I'm at the yeah. point. It took me it took me literally a year, but now I miss them. And and I miss the atmosphere and I miss being able to celebrate and I miss being able to just the, the communal thing, everything that's so great. Uh, I, I understand the hurdles that we need to get through to do all that stuff. But we're seeing now. Um, I, I just got an email this morning, Bram, about Outside Lands is going to go back on, on, in October. No. So we're, now we're having <laughs> okay. music festivals. It feels like we could see the tunnel, right? The light at the end of the tunnel. We were finally able to see it. And I wonder if we're there with arenas. I know that the Warriors remain hopeful that they can get so, some fans in before the end of the season. I doubt that we're going to get it at 100% capacity very strongly. But how about you? Where are you? How, how much do you just miss it? So I'm going to divide this, all right? Let's let's call this two questions. Question number right. one, do I miss fans in the arena? Question number two, um, should we return fans in the arena? Question number one, fuck yes, I miss them, Wes. Absolutely, I, I miss them from the moment the thing started, man. That this, the, We've talked about the watching experience on your show before, and I said it was like eating an ice cream sundae that came with only ice cream. You know, like the, the whole thing seems like a little bit off, enjoyable, but not as enjoyable as it should be, and you just hit a perfect example. Um, the... the Curry's 62, the win against Utah. There's been all of these moments that would have been incredible if we had, you know, 19,000 people enjoying it alongside the team. So whenever it happens, when they bring them back, open arms. I cannot wait. Okay, second so before, you, before you get to the second question, though, yeah. I almost, do we even need to go there, uh, whether or not they should or should not? I mean, obviously, when everything's safe, we should bring them. Do you have another take other than that? As, if, long, as long as that is the analysis okay i think that's right? fair because i'm not sure it is you know i i, right. I feel not like yet. it's not health dictating this stuff no you're right it's business and it has been and that's what it's going to be and it's going to be healthy to the point of the risk is worth the reward i was going to be so high i was going to be so high and mighty too wes i, I was going to kind of like slow down my vocal inflection and like mm. really lecture the audience like yeah. oh, I'm, i know all about i was going to pretend i to felt be like that's where it was going so no, i, I could stop you, you stole it you bastard you <laughs> bastard okay i don't like your professionalism anymore i take away the compliment i gave you for that commercial before it was awful what moment this season would you have most wanted to be there for curry 62 yeah. uh yeah, I mean, th that was magical. It, and it's, it's one of those things that people are going to talk about forever. And I am pompous enough and self-centered enough where I like uh, little things that go on your sporting fan's resume so that if I could casually mention, oh, yeah, that, that time Steph put up 60, yeah, I happen to be there. That's the kind of thing that I would a 1,000% do and would love to have that uh, in pocket. So that's, that's where I'm at. For you, so if you were there and you're covering the game, do you get distracted by your job? Do you just have to chronicle it and you don't really bask in the historical significance? Or do you get a sense of like, had you been there, can you enjoy it and as well as work it? When I'm working, I don't get to enjoy it, uh, unfortunately. And it's the one of the, maybe the only downside really, uh, no, 
I could think of some other ones that we don't have to talk about. But one of the downsides that I will talk about is the fact that when something historic and amazing is happening, you don't really truly appreciate it while it's happening. But I will say this. It is really cool to be one of the people who chronicle the history that had happened. And then, you know, at the end of the night where maybe I'm sitting back with a beer or something and just thinking about, okay, what was my work day like? Then I'll appreciate it. But that those moments of cheering with the fans and just losing yourself in the moment getting and the catharticism of it. No, I don't get that. I, I just don't, I literally don't, I don't get to appreciate it that way. But, um, you know, it's, it's, there's good sides to both, both sides of the coin. Uh, I want to ask you another question now. What was your, you've been to a many Warriors fan, uh, Warriors games. What was your most, what's your most fond memory as a fan? Maybe the greatest, most cathartic moment that, that 62 point ish type of thing. Oof, that's a tough one, man. Um, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, if I go back through my like three decades plus of at game experience, most of them are dark and ugly. You know, they include things of like me getting kicked out because I made fun of Manu Ginobili's bald spot from up close, by the way, used to be able to sneak down really early. And I was ahead of the curve. He was just starting to bald at that point. So that's one of my favorite ones, but I don't think that's what you're asking about. Um, I was there when Antoine dueled Kobe and had the, the oh. 50 spot. So yeah, that, that one sticks in my head. Uh, but I mean, th- this is a stupid, easy, generic response, but it's a true one. I'll pick out the we believe moment. Um, I was there when Baron dunked on Kirilenko and the fucking place went crazy. And I can still feel the enthusiasm we had. And it, it was because even then, I mean, and this is uh, an unnecessary explanation, but even then, even after they had beat uh, Dallas, I still kind of felt like this is a pipe dream. There's no way they're not going anywhere. And I, I know that they lost to Utah, but when he shit on AK-47, it felt like maybe, maybe we actually have a chance. So that's probably the one I'll circle. Um, and then my darkest moment, although you didn't ask, was when Clay got hurt against Toronto. Uh, yeah. that, that was so, and I, I may or may not have waited after that game and was one person who booed as loudly as they could as Toronto received their, uh, their trophy. I'm not super proud of that moment, but that's, that's also on my resume. I was wondering who was doing that. Cause I was on the court <laughs> covering that. Uh, and I could, I, I distinctly remember a booing. Inappropriate. Did you feel it was inappropriate? Like when you heard it, you're like, man, that's a great fan. Or that guy is just a classless piece of ass. He should probably. I thought that be- was the most appropriate, classy, <laughs> great sounding uh, boo I've ever heard. I can't wait to go on his podcast one day and for him to come on my podcast one day. It'll be hey, fun. I can't, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that commercial earlier. Sorry about that. The, you know, the, the confusion before you're really good at this Wes. really good at this. Oh, thanks for the comments. Uh, you're very good on the Warriors huddle podcast. Can you tell the listeners where to find it? I sure can. We have our moments. We are on all places. Podcasts can be found. So uh, Spotify, Apple, all of that stuff. We don't have a huge social media presence, but we can be found at Twitter uh, at Warriors Huddle. And if you want to reach out, let me know how terrible I was today. All emails, direct them at warriorshuddle at gmail.com, which is our crazy unprofessional Gmail account. Yeah, and as, as I understand it, the intern answers that email. So all the complaints go directly to the intern. <laughs> well, not anymore. Not anymore. Out. He's quit us. But yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's exactly right. Uh, remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. And I'll see you here next week. Shout out Marriott. <laughs>